Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Paul Morrissey from the club's media team and I'm joined today by club ambassador Andy Sinton, my media colleague Matt Webb and QPR legend Kevin Gallen. The R's went down 4-1 at home to Preston on Saturday after such a consistent spell of form and performances over the last five months. It was a tough one for us to take. We'll be analysing that as well as previewing a rare fixture. It's QPR in the fourth round of the FA Cup. It's all right here on the Loftcast. Since Webby and Kev, thanks very much for joining us uh, today. Well, Kev, I know you keep a very close eye on QPR, obviously, and you still come to a lot of the Rangers games. Yeah, I try to. Not so much this season. I did a lot last season. Um, I was here over Christmas. I watched the Ipswich at home game, Boxing Day, which was very good performance, very good result. And then I came to the Leeds FA Cup game which was another great result and a good game, actually, and uh, and a good, decent crowd for third round. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like to come a bit more, but a little bit busy, so if there's like a midweek game or Friday or Sunday, yeah, I can got a good chance of coming down and having a look. And you're, you're busy working in football? Yeah, I'm working sort of Crystal Palace full-time, going around Europe and bits and pieces in, in England, but mainly Europe at the weekends, and it's actually interesting, and it's some good... F- some good grounds to go to and uh, sort of different experience and watching different styles of play and yeah and different atmospheres it's really good I was in Germany there the weekend and uh, France the weekend before that so getting about getting my air miles up (laughs) that's the main thing isn't it (laughs) my Avios points are flying (laughs) is it a broad spectrum of scouting you're doing or is it specific are you looking purely at strikers or is it quite a broad spectrum a bit bit of everything but um I think it's no secret that Crystal Palace uh, want a striker, so I've been looking at a lot of strikers at, at the moment, and uh, there is a fair few, and I actually done a report on that lad who just, uh, well, Salah, who just, co- uh, well... As we speak, uh, he's, as we speak he's, he's currently missing. Which currently is missing, so, terrible. yeah, he's a good player, and I think that would have been a good signing for Cardiff, and uh, let's just hope and pray that he's all right. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely, after... What's gone on there? It's, it's difficult to turn to matters regarding a, a disappointing result in football, and, and and you almost you lose perspective on these things. But if we if we do turn to our last outing, was a, a defeat to Preston. It was a, a heavy defeat as well. Um, since I'll come to you first, a four-one loss. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. Obviously, Preston have had a, a very difficult season this season. What went wrong? <laughs> Everything, um, <laughs> in a in a honest and brutal assessment, we, you know, let's face it. Over the Christmas period, we've been outstanding, had a really really good run. Um, last couple of games hasn't quite gone with the way we would have wanted or the way we play uh, been playing. But Saturday, I just felt probably since the start of the season that's the most disappointing we've been. Never got started from minute one, you know. Never got a couple of passes put together in the first five six minutes. Preston came on, and then as I say, you you concede a goal from your own mistake, and you know you you're on the back foot, and we never were able to pick it up. Talking about that mistake, Joe Lumley gave the ball out to um, <coughs> to Josh going, and Josh lost possession, and before we know, it, it's in the back of the net. Uh, Kev, have you seen seen the goals? Yeah, I saw the goals. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that yeah, goal in particular was. Yeah, I mean, just before we come on, I was just talking to Andy about it, and. And it sort of goes back to when I mean when I first started playing with QPR, Jerry Francis was the manager, and Andy will 
hopefully agree with me. <laughs> but the first thing he used to say to us, and even when Ray was the man took over as well, Jerry used to say to us, you know, first five, ten minutes, turn their back line. Turn their back line. First, just put it in there, stretch the play out a bit, stretch the pitch. And then after that, the centre-halves will not, they'll drop off and then go and play. And, uh, you know, you don't really see it much in football at the moment, but, you know, there's nothing more than a centre-half hates is to running towards his own goal. Mm. And they kick the ball out maybe for a throw-in and everyone moves up 50 yards up the pitch and you're now playing in their half. And so, unfortunately, uh, QPR scoring got caught. But, you know, Joe Lumley maybe should have done a little bit better and looked at the situation and said, really, that pass was not on. Let's just go longer a little bit. And then, you know, and then it opens up a bit and 10, 15 minutes later, then you can roll it out. So, unfortunate, got to say, the lad took his took yeah. the goal, you know, <laughs> you know, nine times out of ten, he maybe skies it over the bowl or goes straight at the keeper, but he whips it into the, into the far corner. So, so got to give him credit, a great finish. It's quite interesting. I know that you have a similar view since in terms of perhaps Joe shouldn't have given uh, Josh the ball in the first place. I think most people in the stadium, the... Uh, the average football fan, if you like, rather than people who've played at the highest level, would think, oh, you know, Josh has made an error there. But in fairness to Joe, while Josh put his hand up straight away and took, took responsibility, Joe Lumley almost wagged his finger at him at the time and put his hand up and said, no, that, that was my error in the first place. So credit to Joe for, for yeah. almost taking the responsibility from Josh. But it's interesting that probably the, the average football supporter would just see the mistake from Josh, but perhaps, as you say, Kev, that he shouldn't have been put in that position. Yeah, 100%. I think it's just a little bit of a... Let's, when you concede a goal, most goals, there's a couple of things that goes wrong. It's not just one isolated uh, mistake. So I think you look at the situation. Certainly the way we started the game, we didn't start the game very well, so even more so than not the, you know, to be playing there. There's a thing called risk and reward. What's your risk for what we did to get what reward? Well, as I say, the risk got punished. So, uh, and there's a couple of things. You know, I thought Joe maybe played a little bit late. If you look at Alan Brown, who closes Josh going down, he's almost there. He's going to go and play that, and I'm going to close you down. Almost like a trap that's yeah. been set. Yeah, they've set a trap, and we fell for it. You know, Josh has received a back to goal. You know, he's got really no awareness of what's coming around. A couple of things he could have done, and it's easy. You know, he could have just played a back to Joe, but then Joe's under pressure to play what he should have done in the first place. Or Josh could assess the situation, just stepped in the box. The referee goes, okay, hasn't come out of the box. You've got to take it again. Easy from where we are, but, you know, when at any level you don't want to give any opposition, any G-ups. You know, in Preston, people look at the league table. They're a better side than what their league table shows. You know, they've had a horrendous injury list. Got some good players, but I just think we contributed to our own downfall on Saturday. And we talk about that incident, that was after a quarter of an hour, but Webby, the reality was, if we're brutally honest, we were on the back foot prior to them taking the lead as well. We just didn't get started and the the, the atmosphere at Loftus Road seemed a bit flat as well. Yeah, and um, obviously the first goal comes and we had a we had a little spell after after Preston scored and a little spell that we, we spoke about it since before before we came on air after the after the second half had started, but you look at the first three goals really, and goals one, two, and three are individual errors. And you spoke about it was maybe t it was like the, the the opening month of the season. It was very reminiscent of that in terms of three individual errors and you're in the back foot. It's one obviously just one to to put behind us as soon as possible. What is it about Preston? I mean, we've lost our last six games against them. Someone said after the game they're becoming the new Nottingham Forest. There seems <laughs> seems to be no logic for it, but. 
like I say, they've done the double overs the last three seasons running. Is is there any logic to bogey teams? Well, you, you probably think not, but then sometimes you you know they might read stuff and they might read this coming down. Uh, we never look, we haven't lost for five games, but always been a sort of a problem. Even when I played, and I don't know if Andy would agree, but. The hardest games for QPR is when we were expected to yeah, win, 100%. and the crowd expect you to win. They're the tough games, and um, they're always the, the 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 ones where you're thinking, "Well, we've got to dig in," because the crowd comes in expectation. When it's all fifty-fifty, sometimes the crowd can really get yeah. behind you. But when they're expecting you to win, it's it's tough, and it's been a bit of um, you know, a bit of situation over the years at QPR that when when these types of teams come then we sort of come unstuck a little bit. There's almost more pressure on, on these sorts of games than when you're playing one of the teams you're not well, I, I always found, found them, though, they were the toughest games, the yeah. ones you're expected to win. And uh, well, You've got to earn the right, no matter who yeah. you're playing. Every time you play, there's no easy games. There's no givens, as the kid. You know, you've, got to, you've, got to be on you, the, you've got to be on it from the off. 100%. And what's the word they used to always say? Where people say it's not a tap, you can't turn it on and turn it off again. Yeah. You know, it's very hard if you don't start the game to then just after yeah. fifteen twenty minutes, all right, and turn it on. You got to be right from the from the from the whistle. I wasn't at the game, but obviously that wasn't the case. Kev's right to be fair because you look at two recent other recent home games: Hull City at home, yep, beaten, um, Reading at home, a nil-nil draw. So yeah, that these are games where you have the liability to come unstuck. And it's a, it's a situation with the, you know, I'm not blaming the crowd because, you know, sometimes sometimes the crowd get the players going and the players, the, yeah, the players get the crowd going with a tackle or, mm. you know, with a cross or, you know, something, a player does something, makes a challenge, makes a run. And that can get the buzz going. But if that don't happen, then the crowd sort of got to help as well. Is that in a player's mind as well in that sort of game thing? If I can do something here, if it is just a, a big tackle or whatever it is, just to get the momentum going well the, the year where we got promoted from league one is is now we were pretty much expected to win yeah. every game so it was you know it was tough because when you're expected that's why you've got to give credit to like your man united and liverpool and cities over the years they're expected to win and that's tough to, to win every game you're expecting and when they don't everyone's like talking about them and there's a crisis but that season we played in that season we got promoted it was a case of Everyone used to say, you know, it's going to be, we need to get the crowd going a bit. Someone make a tackle early. Someone do something quick. Let's start really fast and get them right behind us from the off. That's that's important. So it is tough when you're expected to win. Always has been. When it's a 50-50, you know, anything can happen. But yeah, like I, I forgot, you know, the whole City game was a, a bit of a disappointing. And obviously the Preston, you know, conceding four goals at, at home. And the, the goals, you know, I, I, I've seen the goals. The first goal's a mistake. And then I think the next two are set pieces. And and then, to be fair, the last goal, the blokes, that's a great finish on the half volley. Right in the corner. That could go anywhere. So sometimes you ride, you get a bit of luck, the opposition, and it all goes to plan. And obviously that happened for Preston on Saturday. And Kev, the, the run of results against Preston, it's, it's not something that you can completely ex escape um, criticism for as well I decided to have a look at your record personally I know, I know. for QPR against Preston do you know Preston. what I was just thinking I was just thinking about <laughs> that incredible. and I don't think I, we ever, I ever played the game did I uh, we, we win might have got were, a draw once were, during your time no to be fair during your time there were six games um, we won one of the six oh that's alright so it's, it's an improvement <laughs> on the last six no, I know I know yeah because I always thought it was strange. a tough they've always got a, a, a decent team and um, 
I spoke to my friend who was coming to the game and he, he said, what do you think? I said, it's going to be a tough because I've I've seen Preston this season. I've seen them last season and they're a well-organised uh, team. They get the ball, they put the ball in the box as often and as quickly as possible. They never turn down a cross. Um, they're sort of a bit of an old, not an old-fashioned team, but, you know, they play to their strengths. They're very direct. Uh, I don't know if they if they were on Saturday, but they do put the ball in and, and they scored two goals from set pieces. So, you know, they look organised and they look like they got a good team spirit. They done all right. They were just out of the playoffs last season and then they had a bit of a dodgy start to the season. I know they beat us, yeah, but then they went... Then didn't and win and any then, of the next 10. Yeah, so, and, you know, usually sometimes the manager becomes under big pressure when you don't win for 10 games. So, mm. fair play for them sticking with him and, um, you know, yeah, well, we've we just got to move on and move on. It's always the next game. It's always yeah. about win or lose. It's always about the next game. And be interested in getting uh, your thoughts, uh, Kevin, since on this, obviously both having played successfully at the highest level, the uh, the dark arts of football. Um, I have to say we've really, I mean, Aston Villa would say, well, hang on, that you were playing that game at Villa Park when we got the 2-2 draw in terms of slowing the game down, etc. Uh, Preston did it to great effect, it has to be said, against us on Saturday. They were slowing the game down. They were going down injured to stop the game. And then, well, personally, from a... A, a fan's point of view, if you like, you, you're sitting there in a the crowd and you're looking at the game and a player goes down and the referee stops the game and then the player doesn't even require treatment to carry on. And what always baffles me is, sorry, no, not, not the referee hasn't stopped the game. We've put the ball out of play and the player doesn't need treatment. And I was thinking, like, from a player's point of view, why do you put the ball out of play? I mean, I know it's like the right thing to do, etc. But I always think when the player then gets up and doesn't even require treatment, and then they time waste from the resultant throw-in. I think they've had one over on me there. As I say, yeah, as a as a spectator and an opposition player, you hate it. But you know, when you're certainly when you're away from home, you're winning the game. And if I'm playing for Preston on Saturday, I know QPR would be really poor in the first half. I'll be saying in the dressing room, you know, they they can't be as bad as that again. They're going to come out, so you're going to interrupt the flow of the game. What you, what Preston didn't want QPR to do is get any sort of momentum. So at any given time, horrible, but it goes on. We did it, you know, yeah. everyone does it. Uh, Put <laughs> the ball in the corner, hold it up. Exactly. Yeah. When it's against you, you don't like it, but when yeah. it's, but we, I think if, I think it's part of the, part of the game. And if QPR is at Portsmouth on Saturday and it's five minutes to go and they're winning one and we're winning one nil, how can you not slow the game down? How can you not go down even if you know you might be faking it a bit? Our fans will be absolutely delighted yeah. as long as you come away yeah. with a one nil. You go in a corner, you take a short corner, you hold it. Is it? It's part of football. It's Liverpool just about interrupting the flow. Isn't was it? it Liverpool in the eighties? Yeah. Remember mm, with the back yeah. pass? It's always, always it's gone. Back. I know always the back, but I think uh, Preston. I, uh, to be fair, I know where you come from. They did it here last season in April. You know, once they got ahead, they just shut the game down. The last twelve minutes was painful viewing in April here. You know, because the game was just stop, start, stop, start, and that was. The danger of Saturday and the disappointing thing about Saturday to go behind and the man I don't you am behind because you know what Preston are going to do and they're good at it. I think yeah. I mean, I was just I was just thinking in my head about the times QPR have gone one nil up at home this season. Have we gone on to win the game or draw? I'd like to know the stat. I mm. don't think we've lost, have we? After being in the in front, is that right? No, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, it, the we've, first we've goal certainly is so. Uh, yeah, I'd like important. to know that the whole stat is on whoever scores the first goal in a championship usually don't lose mm. and it, I suppose it's an important part of football of, of the game is the management of the game 
game management, you try and, you know, if you're talking to kids, you see kids like a kid would like, pressing with before one up, they get a throw in, everyone, me and Andy would say to the kid, walk, take your time. <laughs> take your time. <laughs> they might go and sprint yeah. and put the ball in straight away and then and then we'd be going mental at him. <laughs> but that's game management. Yeah. You walk, you get substituted, you know you're coming off, you go to the opposite part of the pitch, you, you walk slowly <laughs> off, you get booed, but it doesn't matter because it's interrupting the game. I, I've done it loads of times. But I'm sure you have, Andy. Yep. It's game management and when, it, when and it's against clear, you, you hate it, but when it's for you, you love it. I'm just going back <laughs> I think that's probably an area this season where we as a team have improved on as well. You know, slowing the game down uh, first 20 minutes when you're going to lead, you know, don't don't let the crowd get up. So just mm. kill the game. Let you let yourself settle into it and certainly when you're winning. But uh, so, you know, we're disappointed with that. But fair play to, uh, to Preston Saturday. They came, they did a number on us. I think the first goal's down to us. And disappointingly for me, this, this, the second and the third are from set plays. Unnecessary free kick for the second one. They get the first contact. I'm sitting alongside one of the best there. You know, you give people a yard a foot in the box, you're going to get punished, and that's what happens. You don't win the first contact, you're in danger. Not very rarely, but stats prove it's the second phase where goals come from. And if you look at both the second and the third goals, they get the first flick at the near post and someone steals away. A couple of our boys have switched off and game's over. After the game, um, Steve McLaren was very honest in his assessment. Uh, he basically said it wasn't good enough. They deserve to win. Bad day at the office. I, I suppose you could argue there's not a lot else he could say because yeah. that, that's all true. But often you see a manager can't come and try and paint a different picture to what everyone's seeing. And as a, a football fan, when I talk about me as a fan, I mean as a football fan, <laughs> Kev smirking like he's going to out me. Uh, as a as a uh, yeah, as a as a as a fan, it's it's what you want to hear. You want that that honesty from a manager, don't you? I think there's games when certainly performances and results where you you just have to say it as it was. Uh, Steve's vastly experienced. You know we have been doing great uh, in recent weeks, but I say that's that was well below the standards we've set. So you say that you address it in training all week and you move on. You put it behind you and you've got to start again. You know individually getting your level of performance, your consistency, and hopefully start seeing some more results on the board. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think he, I think. Um, he's obviously come out and been really honest because I don't think he could bluff mm. a 4-1 at home. And <laughs> I think a couple of weeks ago, I think I saw the best one for a long time was our old manager, Neil Warnock, lost and started talking about Brexit. <laughs> 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 it completely diverted yeah. to his result. It's mm. unbelievable. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> no one is talking about the result. But, yeah, I think when you lose 4-1 at home, it's very hard to... You know, take any positives or moan. You just got to take it on the chin and move on to the next game and and get back to training on Monday and get on with it and make and make things right. And Webby, what was interesting at the end of the game, it's easy to take the applause of the crowd when the result has gone well and we've got the three points. But after a disappointing performance, a desperately disappointing result, it was interesting to see the whole squad still did their full lap of appreciation back to the fans and the fans that remained all applauded them. And it was it was interesting because. They weren't applauding the performance because everyone would agree the performance wasn't good enough. But there was a definite appreciation from the fans of of what the players are about. Yeah, I think in in general, I think the fans get that bar the first month of the season has been really improvement. And yeah, it was, it was yeah we we were massively off it, weren't we, at the weekend? But I think there's a a general appreciation that the team have come a long way in a short space of time. A good time now to have a, a break from the league going into the fourth round of the FA Cup. 
we'll soon find out at the weekend. You know, when's a good time? I think when you've when you've won a game, I think you you can't wait to play your next game. Sometimes when you've lost a game, you, you you're itching to get back on, on the pitch and you know prove that you you are a good side, you are a good player, and you you know we've got a tough one at the weekend, a very very tough one at the weekend. But certainly, if I'm in that dressing room, what I would be looking forward to playing. Okay, well, Kev, just looking at uh, the season so far for QPR, and interestingly, on the, the recruitment side of it, obviously it's been well documented how QPR approached things when we did get into the Premier League and the, the sort of players that came to the club, and perhaps their motivations weren't what you'd like from a, a supporter's point of view. Um, and now that approach has markedly changed, and it's, it's needed to with, obviously, the FFP restrictions. Um, and in particular, the, you look at the players that are in the side now that are a regulars in the side. Joe Lumley, who joined us when he was 15 from Tottenham. Darnell Furlong joined us as an 11-year-old. Um, Abire Ezi joined us as a 15, 16-year-old when, when he'd left Millwall. It's a, so it's almost like, not quite academy players, certainly for Eze and Lumley, but players that need a, another chance, if you like, where it hasn't worked from a, at their first club. Yeah, no, th- th- there's different ways of doing it and... Um and it's very difficult with the academy system because you got your your is it category one and category yeah. two, and and in West London or in London there's some big clubs with category one and they can, you know they got it's very difficult for a young lad to come through at one like a Chelsea. I mean you look at Chelsea, Arsenal, you know who's playing? They spend bundles on their academy, mm. and they let go of quite a lot of players and. You know the category t- two teams can pick up sort of those sort of players and br- bring them through like we did with Joe Lumley. I remember I was here at the time and Steve brought him in. Um, <laughs> we used to call him Peter Crouch and Rodney, but but he was and and Steve used to. I remember in training, Steve used to put him in um, out on the pitch all the time playing because we had there was another two keepers so the count player and he was really good and you can tell he's good. Yeah, yeah. he can pass the ball mm. and that's from practicing. Uh, and I'm really pleased with Joe Lumley. Yes, he used to stay at my parents' house for two or three years in digs. So he came round to my mum and dad actually. So it shows what a nice lad he is. He came round to my mum and dad's before Christmas and brought him over some chocolates and flowers, which yeah, my mum was really yeah, happy. Yeah, nice. So really good of Joe, and my mum was so pleased about that. But yeah, the academy system, yeah, it's and recruitment. Yes, yeah, it, it, you know you can do it in two dif- different ways. You can go and get the best young players from non-league. You know, we've we brought in Paul Smythe from non-league. I mean, it's League of Ireland, but really, it's non-league. Yeah. <laughs> non-league. Sorry, all you Northern Ireland fans, <laughs> but it's non-league. And um, you can go to other places. Do you understand? You can go to places and get the best players in League Two if you want to go down that way. Peterborough do that quite well, and they've been successful. Mm. Um, or you can go and get sort of not cast-offs, sort of, but lads who have maybe lost their way at the big clubs. I know easy what that was not a, a big club. <laughs> Sorry, Mill fans, but <laughs> but you know I, I bet they're really di- gutted about yeah. you know letting him go. But you know what I mean. Joe Lullins come from Tottenham. He's been let go. He probably thinks that's the end. QPR's picked him up, and you know he's he's doing really well, and he's he's playing week in week in week in week out, and you know he's having an excellent season. So well played. So there's different ways of doing it. Uh, QPR in the past would you know obviously. It's, well documented buying players towards the end of their career coming for a big payday that's never going to work and you know it was um, well it backfired massively didn't it now we've got this FFP um, situation so 
you know, there's different ways of doing it, but they're trying to do it uh, better now. You know, I, I, I do think a club like Cooper at this present time should be looking at the best players in League One because there's some good players there. And uh, I suppose as well from uh, a, a fan's perspective, you want players on the pitch who have a sense of pride about playing for QPR and perhaps and when, we were, when we were in the Premier League there were players playing for QPR who didn't have that incredible pride at playing for QPR having played for the clubs they played for before coming to us and like you say that, that hunger as well hunger when you well, I'm just thinking now so me and Andy played for QPR he came a different route to QPR than me he was at Brentford a lesser team <laughs> <laughs> so he was at Brentford <laughs> And QPR bought him, and I remember I was a fan, and I come through the the youth team. So me and him, completely sort of the way we're doing it now. Mm. We signed from a from a team in League One or two, the best player, or we bring our own players through. And you know, at this moment in time, I think that's the best way. If you get if we get back into the Premiership, then it's a little bit difficult because the step up is massive, and you might have to go and, and sign some players, but sign the right players for the right reasons with the right attitude. Because older players, and there's a few who will come in, like Ryan Nelson came in, who was excellent, mm. but the majority are just coming for a, a payday. And another thing, that situation when we did get promoted, we signed maybe 10 players or whatever. Now, those 10 players that came in were probably okay players, but and Fulham have done it this year as well. They cause unrest in the, in the squad because the lads who were there before, who got promoted, mm-hmm. they're now moved out who've done all the hard work to get the club promoted, they brought these players in who are now on treble their money, maybe for... This causes problems in the changing room. It causes a, a it causes split unrest. Of course it does. So if, if you if I've got the team promoted and then come August, someone's come in and has taken my place and he's on three times the amount of money or four times and he's not doing a better job, what happens in the changing room? I suppose and then the manager has to play him because he has to justify it to the chairman. Mm. To s- why do we spend that money? I suppose that's the key bit. If a player comes in on three or four times the wage you're on, but he's doing the business on the well, pitch, you can't, say you can't say anything. But if he's playing, he's taking your place, he's earning a hell of a lot more than, than yeah. you're on, and he's not lifting a leg, and yeah. doesn't seem too bothered when he comes off as well. Or when we lose, then it causes massive problems. That changing room becomes disjointed, there's rifts. There's clicks. Fights oh. at yoga classes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where sometimes yoga. <laughs> that's where you sometimes look at a squad of players and you go, you know, how are they where they are? Well, all the reasons Kev's just listed there, that is, that's not ability. By some signs are at the bottom. We've had it here. You know, on ability, you've got good players, but there's so much more than that goes into it to get a successful team, yeah. teamwork, camaraderie, that gets your results on a Saturday. Best teams and the teams, and I mean, the team, I, I miss Andy left just before I got in the first team, but looking back, you know, <laughs> the, the banter and the, the camaraderie at QPR then with, you know, Alan MacDonald leading it <laughs> was just unbelievable, wasn't it? And gee, you'd love coming into training because it was just so funny. I think that sort of side, you know, and I hate to harp back, um, you know, when Kev's played in a couple here as well, I think the majority of the side, you're actually proud to play for your club, but you, you want to push your career forward as well both individually and collectively you know if you get that I think that's a that's a win-win situation I think players that come have to have hunger and to to maybe go and think they can do better because not all Mm. not all um, players that come are QPR fans and want to stay they might be want to go I want to go to Real Madrid I want to and to do that 
they've got to put a shift in mm-hmm. because everyone's watching their scouts here every week. Don't think they are. I even say to my little boy, seven, eight, people are watching you. Everyone's watching. And everyone knows who the best players are. Mm. It's, not a, it's not a secret. And there's no shame in a, a player seeing QPR as a stepping stone for their career. If they want to come in and do well and get the opportunity to, to go up because they're doing well at QPR, that's no slight on QPR. Not and ultimately, that's going back to, to your day when you, when you played. That's what the likes of yourself since did. It's what Well, Les any Ferdinand player wants did. to play at the highest level. Let's say if me and Kev are playing for QPR on a championship now, surely we've got a desire to want to play at the highest level possible. And that's either to get QPR promoted. Yeah. So yeah. You, you put in your performances for the team that you're playing for, so the team's benefiting, but you're going to benefit as well. And I don't think anyone anywhere has got any qualms with that. If you're putting a shift in for the club that you're pulling the shirt on, club get the benefit and you may get the benefits uh, further down the line in your career. But you know you've got to work for that. You need your you need your teammates, you need your yeah. people around you, you need to train really, really hard. Um, and as I say, ultimately that's where you'll get to. And we've got a couple now. You know, we mentioned someone like Abere and Joe. They've had knockbacks along their way, you know, but they've mm. bounced back and they've come through. Just want to bring you in on that. Uh, you know, Abere Eze took a lot of plaudits this year, Kev. You've seen him a few times. Yeah. He's not a centre forward, but you has been one of the best that we've had. What do you see in someone like I think him as a young boy that's coming through? He's playing off the front, isn't he? And yep. uh, he's... he's He's really good in possession. He's got a good touch. Um, he, he wins a lot of fouls. Yep. He can, good use of his body, doesn't yeah, he? Good use of, he knows how to shield the ball. He knows how, uh, What I would like to see him do a little bit better is run past uh, uh, people a little bit more. I think he's got the ability to do that. And maybe, you know, running behind and not always come to feet. Um, but, you know, he's learning. This is his first season in the Championship. He's doing really well. Um, what can, what, he's playing week in, week out. What a better place to be than playing for QPR week in, week out. You know, he got released by, by Mill five, six years ago. He probably thought that was my career over. We've snapped him up. He's obviously got the ability. Um, I've seen it. We've all seen it. He can finish. He can just get his head down and keep working hard and, and, and keep training hard and keep a, keep a level head. It seems the next challenge in his career is dealing with the fact that he's a bit of a marked man now, whereas... Last season when he went to Wickham, he was an unknown quantity. He's not even played 40 games at championship level yet, but he's getting some plaudits, he's getting some recognition and he's getting some treatment as well. And I'd imagine that happened to both of you in the infancy of your careers as you progressed and started doing really well. The surprise factor was gone yeah. because they knew what Kevin Gallen could do and they knew what Andy Sinton could well, do. That's going to be part of his the next stage of his development. You know, Sometimes I'm looking at the game Saturday, you look at Ben Pearson for, for Preston. Yeah, just sat in the Rande, was never too far away from a berry. Um, you know, when Coop Yard did have the ball, I know it wasn't a great deal at the weekend. But you know, sometimes he'll have to learn and he and he is and he's getting better. Sometimes take people in areas that they don't want to be and you might not get the ball, but I might create space for him. Mm, and yeah. you grow into games. You don't have to be to play really well, you don't have to be on the ball the whole time. So as Kev says, he's just got to keep working hard develop his game you know can he can he mix it up rather than come to get at the feet can he make runs in behind with and without the ball yeah. can he drift can he take players out of position so other people can come and fill it and I think he's doing terrifically well um, you know big pressure on his shoulders really when you think he's 20 he's played 35 games he comes with a lot of expectation here as our main creative player you know and that's that comes with a that's part of living that's with tough. that as well that's, Kevin, hard. that's hard yeah I, I've had that when I was um, playing in the team people expect yep mm. 
people expect uh, the expectations massive and that so as a young lad here when you were coming through you know you broke on the scene you're scoring a uh, load of goals talents there for everyone to see how did you deal with that so if you're speaking to Ribery what advice would you give because you've been in a a similar situation particularly when the expectancy was on you before you even played at first level because of the record that you've taken yeah I mean there was a lot of expectation a lot of pressure uh, I remember and I was just desperate to get playing really Um, you know I was so desperate to you know, I remember playing in the youth team and just my mum thinking, right, I'm, I've left school, I'm playing in the youth team now. My next step, I've got to get in the reserve team. And then, you know, I didn't really play that many games in reserves. Mm-hmm. And then I just got, you know, thrown into the first team at the start of the, the... I'd done two years in the youth team. I played a handful of games for the reserves because we had such a big squad and good squad. And like in those days, I don't like keep going back, but... If you didn't play on a Saturday, you're playing on the Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't. There was no. Uh, do you want to play? <laughs> you, you did names down, wasn't it? You're down there. You're playing Tuesday. That's it. And you could be playing against. Uh, I think I played. Uh, we used to play Tuesday nights at Haraborough. And one of my first games for reserves, we played West Ham. I'm playing up against Alfie Martin. Yeah, played at the World Pro, Cup. Yeah. yeah. And I'm 17. So that's a massive step up. And I found it tough because. Yeah. I mean, this is a good player. No, not a good player. Excellent player, mm-hmm. and I'm just a kid, so the expectation is, was massive because I, I broke all these records mm-hmm. in the youth team. I didn't really play many in the reserves. I did a little bit at the end of my second year in the youth team, and then the start of the pre-season, I went on the tour to Sweden. And next thing I remember, just I remember this: so we play Man United away from home, and the first I remember Bradley Allen. I was sharing with Bradley Allen. And it was Les up front, and it was between me, Bradley Allen, and Gary Penrice, who was going to play up front with him. And Bradley Allen says, "I think you're going to you're going to play tomorrow." And I'm like, "I still didn't, am I? Yeah, you'll you'll play tomorrow." And I'm like, "Really?" But in my head, I'm like, "Do you reckon I've got a chance?" And then I didn't even know I was playing until half one, or when we have the team meeting. <laughs> so then the expectations massive, yeah, Man United, and you don't want to let anyone down, and. Yeah. It's tough. For easy, uh, easy. It is tough because there is a lot of expectation. I don't want to talk about me, but it's very similar. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's playing week in, week out. That's a great opportunity for him. Like I said, you, you, I wasn't at the game and you said that uh, Pearson was around him. That's where he's got to you know, chat to the, to the coaches, chat to the, um, the manager and say, look, you know, he was around me. What, what do you think I need to do to find some space? And the first thing I would say is what I said before. Start making some runs in behind, and do you know what I mean? Try and st- stretch that, stretch them defenders so the gap between Pearson and the centre half is bigger. Yep. If it's really close, there ain't much space. I've had that because I, when I played up front with Les, I sort of played a little bit deeper, come to feet, and Les would be the more running in behind. And if there's someone, there's nothing worse when you want to come to feet and there's a holding centre midfielder it's blocked, blocking you. So even when the ball does come up to you, your touch has to be absolutely mm-hmm. immaculate because that bloke, that Pearson, is <laughs> yeah. only three or four yards away from you. So you've got the centre half behind you up your backside and you've got Pearson trying to nick it in front. So you have to be, your touch has to be immaculate and it's very difficult. And you can only learn that by being put in that situation. Yeah, right? playing, the game, playing. Yeah. You can talk about coaching. but Sometimes you're thing, learning on the job, aren't you? Always. The, that is the main thing. People say to me, how will he get better? How will he get better? Playing regular football. Yep. How will young players get better? Go and play League Two. Go and play League One. Have six months there. You'll learn more there than pl- than training. You will. Because you're doing the training anyway. And then on the Saturday, you've got you've got angry people on the sideline yeah. going, Men, you've got centre-rars want to kill you because their livelihoods are on the line. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you look at the three players, the three young players that are playing regularly now, Lumley, Furlong and Ezzy, they've all been out on loan. It's important. Well, we've spoken about it many a time, you know, and Kev's just, he's just said it before I came in there. So important, vital. It's part of growing up, learning your trade, playing against seasoned pros who don't want these whippersnappers, you know, showing them up. If you like. We spoke to Gareth to me a few weeks ago that he pulled Eze out when he was on loan because he hadn't tracked a run-up, but not only Gareth pulled him in the dressing room, two of his teammates go, you know what, you might get away with that on 23s, but it might cost us... You know, my bonus at the weekend, you might cost me my job. You know, Gareth yeah. might be at the door, not just Gareth, but I'm talking about any yeah, manager. Yeah. And that is that's the real the football. part of growing <laughs> yeah. up and real football. And you probably wouldn't get pulled up like that if you're playing at under 23s. Well, you might get it mentioned, but there's because there's nothing on the game, there's no livelihoods really on the game. There's not the level of accountability. There's no accountability. And, and also the fans demand. Do you mm. mean the demand? They're demanding. You're losing, you're booing. It's like. <laughs> It's happened to us all. We've all been in the world. <laughs> Me and Andy, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been in this situation where yeah. you're getting booed, where you know you're walking off. I've had it loads of times. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you should be getting caned, and then you have senior pros caning you as well, mm. and that's like hurts probably more than the fans yeah, when you're, you're an older player. Yeah, telling you, like shouting at you. You got Alan McDonald screaming at you coming off the tunnel that year. You're not yeah. tracking a fullback. Uh, Ray Wilkins, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, Ray just had, Ray didn't have to say much. Just, just, just look at you. At you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if I'm playing, and I didn't have uh, the pleasure of playing with him, but if I w- had an opportunity to cross and I didn't, Les would just glare at me. He didn't have to say, you know, he said, get it in. Mm. And yeah. vice versa, if I'm crossing balls and these aren't on the end of it, I'll be saying to them, you know, I put six balls in the box. Where you, what, what you, and that's where you can make the managers and the coaches' job a lot, lot easier, can't you? Yeah, I mean, hit an end on head. Andy puts the ball in five or six times and I'm not on the end of it. He don't get any assists. <laughs> He's yeah. fighting me. And, and when he don't put the ball in, I'm shouting at him to put the ball in because I can't score. So you have that mutual respect. And it's not a fight, but it's a mutual respect when you're in the team. You put the ball in, I'll be in there. You both we'll, benefit. Yeah. yeah. Because in the long run, you do benefit. Everyone benefits. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's back to easies. And, you know, Joe Lump, they've all. this is a wonderful opportunity for them. We've spoken about uh, Joe Lumley and Abira Ezzy. Just a word on Darnell Furlong. It must make you feel old when you think you were playing with his dad. But oh, I know. I mean, how impressed have you been by Darnell? And when were you first aware of him as a player? Well, when I was doing a bit with the uh, under f- the youth team and the under 15s, and I had Darnell, and Darnell was um, he was there as as it was School of Excellence Academy. We just turned in School of Excellence Academy, and he was very slight, mm. and there was sort of a bit of a question mark and. We, we all had our say and we all come to the conclusion and it was the right conclusion. We said, well, he's not going to be slight forever. Just look at his dad. It's just, you know, basic, mm. basic knowledge where his dad's a big bloke. He's very strong, Paul. He's going to get bigger and I see him against um, Leeds and he's he's, mad. he's got massive chest on him now. <laughs> Five, six years ago, he was like, he's put, like put on a stone of muscle. Well, I'm really, I'm really impressed with him because his attitude was always great. And he got all that from his dad. When you've got sort of someone, you know, that you know, experience of football and telling him what to do, just just probably just telling him to be professional from an early age. And he is, and he's a lovely kid, and I'm really happy for him. And when I do see him, and I see him bump into him when I come, he's he's a nice kid that I knew ten years, whatever, ten years ago. Really good. I thought I think he's got really better. And I think what impressed me is like he's excellent in the air at the moment. Mm. Yeah, like he it's like headers the back of people's heads and goes <laughs> through them. He's got that his dad's aggression. We used to call Paul the smiling assassin. <laughs> Loveliest bloke, but ruthless <laughs> <laughs> to score goals. And 
You know what I mean? To not get bullied by a centre half, he would give him. He would give him such a hard time. Interestingly, Darnell was saying today that um, when he was on trial for QPR at the age of eleven, it was Joe Gallen who was making the judgments on players, and it was Joe that almost gave the green light for for Darnell to come in. And then obviously he worked with you at under fifteen level, yeah. and he worked with Steve as well. So he certainly come through the the Gallen production line, hasn't he? <laughs> we got one, <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, he's certainly a player of potential. No, he's good. Good right back, solid. He's turned into, um, you know, a couple of years ago. I don't. I saw him play, and he was like, you know, I don't think he's ready for the championship. He's maybe League One, but now he's definitely. I think he can establish himself for a few good, good few years if he stays injury free, keeps his form as a regular, uh, the regular right back for QPR, and I really hope he does. And Webby, from a supporter's point of view, how pleasing is it when you, you see these youngsters come through, like someone like Darnell, who knows all about the club and the history of it? It's it's got to be more pleasing to see a Darnell Furlong come through than a player who hasn't got that that connection for the club. Yeah, it's been it's been great to see his progress. I think um, he did an interview, um, listening to an interview he did um, on New Year's Day. Um, he faced Yannick Bellassi and one of the journalists said, "You faced Yannick Bellassi on one of your first games in the Premier League against Crystal Palace, and he had a bit of a bad day in terms of I think he had Zahar Bellassi, um, a number of players running at him, and so what's what's the kind of big difference in your game you said well I've been out on loan I've had to I've had to I appreciate that I've had to improve in, in a physical aspect and that's been a big thing with Darno, hasn't it he really has improved physically and I think the big thing with him now is what's his best position is it right back or centre back because he's yeah, I played a number could, of I games think, at centre back I think he could move into centre back I think because he's, he's improved so much in the air and he's got bigger but I think for at the moment right back's okay mm. but then maybe as he gets a bit older he can move into that position and just finally, with regards to the, the current group, there does uh, seem to be a, an excellent team spirit within, within the group as well. And it's something that always seems to be so important to a successful side and how you measure success is up for debate. But in terms of a successful side, you have to have that, that camaraderie within the dressing room, don't no, you? And one word that keeps coming out of this dressing room is it's an honest group. And in terms of they're very honest with each other when they're not happy with each other, which goes back to the point you two were just making. That's huge. You know, if you've got a good dressing room, you've got a good togetherness, you know, respect about the side I played in. No egos, no big-time Charlies, because you weren't allowed to be, you know, really good, tight-knit, the side he plays in. I know he's still in touch with nearly all the team now, you know, yeah. and that's that's brought together and it's fosters and it's enhanced. And I'll tell you what, that wins your points and that gets you through difficult times and seasons, difficult time in games, that togetherness, you're relying on your mate to pull you through and you'll go that extra little bit because you care for each other. Can a manager create that or is that down to having the right characters in the dressing room for it to I think develop? the environment you're in, uh, the manager can play a part and want that and cajole that. But I ultimately, and I don't know if Kev agrees, you know, I think that's from the characters in the side. You know, your desire, you know, he's playing for a club that he supported. Mark Bertram's playing for a club that he supported. You know, that has got to be running through that dressing room. And when yeah. the going gets tough, you can pull people. I think, I think when you said about the manager, but I think the manager has to buy the, when he brings in players, he has to bring in the right characters. Mm. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's vital. But once you're in there, I think the senior, the senior players have to lead it a little bit. And, you know, Andy's time and I was just coming through, you know, when you're in a youth team, you'd all get, um, when you're, I was in a youth team, we'd all change together. It's a little bit different now. But then you had the characters out, Ray Wilkins, Alan McDonald's, even Jerry, you know, for me, he's QPR legend and he was the manager. 
Andy was there, Les, Simon Bar, Dave Barsley, so some really good good pros, Clive Wilson, I mean, Ollie, you know, real good pros, and then you had the sprinkling of the younger players, but the older players, you know, they would they pull you up if you're doing something wrong, on the pitch, off the pitch, but in general, wouldn't they, if you get a bit flash, Macca would absolutely cane you. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't bother being flash, do you know what I mean? He was not worth the abuse for about three weeks, because he would not let it go, and he was relentless. It was unbelievable. Never known someone to be so relentless in, in hammering someone. He would not but let it go. He, he would hammer you during the week, but I tell you what, he would... Be back you on the pitch. Yeah. Back you on the pitch. You know, if I was, if you were having a rough time, or someone was giving me a rough time, you know, first one in line of fire would be Macca. He'd be there looking after his mate, and that's what. Yeah. So I think the, the togetherness and that camaraderie you talk about, the older player, and then everyone follows. You have to have a group of four, five or six, and then everyone follows, and you, you drag everyone along with you. And just very finally, then, because we could talk all, all afternoon, um, we're, t- we're talking about the, the younger players, and they get pick, picked up like we. Just mentioned Joe Lumley and Abir Ayesi or Darnell who comes through at a younger age. But then you've got someone like Tony Leisner who we signed on a free transfer and he's been excellent for us. Luke Freeman who was picked up for a you know, a largely nominal fee uh, from Bristol City. With FFP restrictions that every club has to adhere to now, the recruitment aspect is probably in at this moment in time more important in football than it's ever been. When there was no restrictions, you could get yeah. four wrong and get one right. Well, I, I just think it's not because I do working in recruitment. I think recruitment is everything and yeah. managers' jobs live or die on the, on those decisions. Mm. If you get your recruitment wrong, you're, not, you're struggling. I mean, not just QPR in the, in the Premier League got their cr- recruitment. There's, there's a lot of Fulham have done it massively wrong, spending 100 million. And they, they, they're, they're struggling big time. But, you know, recruitment, I can I look at uh, and have an example, Arsenal. Their recruitment not coming in, but keeping players is abysmal at the moment. Letting players go who they could sell for maybe 20, 30 million, letting them go on freeze. Mm. It's massive. Mm. So recruitment, you know, managers live and die and uh, on their on their the players they bring into the football club, it's massive. So, you know, Pep Guardiola, you know, great manager. First season, what did he come? Third, fourth? I think it was third. Went out, bought a keeper, two fullbacks. Next season they go out and win the league. And everyone says he's the best coach in the world. Why weren't he the best coach in the world the year before? Why didn't he coach the academy players if he's that good of a coach? He went out and spent 150 million on three players: Mendy, Carl Walker, and Edison. They then win the league. That's how important recruitment is. Yeah. So whatever level you're at, you've got to get your, your get your players right. You've got to get them right. Yeah, definitely. You agree with that, since? Totally. And just because you're going to spend with any player that you bring into any club there's a there's a risk there's no guarantees whether you get them on a free or you spend 50 million obviously the 50 million there's more chances if you like but yeah Kev's 100% right I think I wouldn't like to put a percentage on it but I speak to a lot of managers they say the biggest biggest part of their job now is getting their recruitment right so it's uh, so it's key so like Kev anyone in that role throughout football clubs you know got a massive part of playing football and clubs and I think the main thing is it's not about the ability it's the attitude, character, how yeah. to judge the character, and it's very difficult. You can judge a character on the pitch. Is he working hard? How do you judge a character off the pitch? Because he might just come in and just completely ruin the change room. You don't know, so it's, it's difficult. How, you have to do, do background. You? Well, you have to do a background. You do background checks, and you talk to fellow managers who've probably had that kid, and they might. We all know Andy. Tell everyone talks, don't they? Mm. Everyone's talking to each other. They might ring up and say, what's that player like? 
Yeah, he's great. On the pitch, he's brilliant. Off the pitch, absolute nightmare. Don't touch him. That's been said loads of times. So that's how important it is. Background checks. And obviously, you've got to have some ability. <laughs> 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 but he wouldn't be a player if he weren't. But John said, that's, that's important. Okay, we'll turn into that FA Cup fourth round tie. Um, and Kev, it's a very interesting one for you, of course. Joe Gallon, your brother, is the assistant manager there. And Kenny Jacket, of course, you know very well. And yeah. firstly, speaking about Portsmouth, they're having an excellent season, top of League One. Top of League One, doing really well. I've seen them at the start of the season against Luton, the first game of the season. Uh, they won that game 1-0. <laughs> Luton should have won 3 or 4 one I walked in afterwards and went, Joe... You got battered there, and he went, I know, <laughs> but we still won. I went, yeah, that's the main thing. Um, what they are, they're really strong, organised. Uh, they've got a really good crowd down there, 19,000, 20,000 nearly every week. Uh, really back them. They're organised. Um, they've had a little bit of a blip. They've lost the last two games. Um, you know, a home game against Blackpool the week before 1-0, and then they lost to Oxford 2-1. So, be interesting I think it's a really good game. It's going to be, what, we got two and a half going down? Yeah, just under 3,000, so 2,800. That's brilliant. Uh, I know all, a lot of QPR fans asking if I could go down. I can't make it. I wish I could because I know it would be a great game. Um, be a great atmosphere. The QPR fans are really up for it. Portsmouth fans will be really up for it. Yeah, it's a really good game. I wish I could go. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's um, it was actually quite funny when the draw was made. I think there was like six teams mm. left and it came out Portsmouth. And then they come out QPR. I just started laughing. I texted him. I said, oh, I think Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, and yeah, Chelsea. Still in there, the sure. biggest team left there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Really good. My mum and dad are going down and my sister. But my mum and dad are really looking forward to it. Yeah. Of course, uh, your dad's a season tick holder at QPR. Yeah. Who's he supporting? Oh, do you know? It's interesting. <laughs> he can't lose, can he? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't sure. know. Uh, I suppose QPR has supported QPR for 50 years so he's got I know he's my brother but he's still got to support your team <laughs> I, don't have I don't know so, so you're supporting QPR yeah oh yeah of course yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah so my mum and dad are really looking forward to going down they go down quite a bit I watch Portsmouth my dad still when he's not um, if QPR are away he's, he's getting a bit old he don't like travelling too much now, so uh, <laughs> he's getting a lift down to Portsmouth but yeah he's still up in the South Africa road and uh, yeah He's still follow, so it'll be really good. It's really good for mum and dad, and I hope it goes well. Yeah, it should be a great occasion. And I mean, I think most football in neutrals, probably outside of the Southampton postcode, would like to see Portsmouth playing at a higher level than League One. They're they're a bigger club than that, aren't they? Yeah, big club. You know, uh, Kev's touched on it. I played there a couple of times. It can be quite uh, quite hostile down there. They get right behind the side, and they're having an excellent season. You know, I think if you're looking at the game. Uh, yeah, Portsmouth want to progress, but I think they're in a magnificent position. If you were to ask Kenny and Joe, you know their priorities would probably be to get promoted. And you know, you look at us; we haven't been great in the FA Cup over over the years. You look at the way the QPR fans have bought tickets and are going down there. I think that shows how important they think the game is. You know, for us to have a good cup run, so it's uh, both sides. I think to look at the game and think they can win it. Yeah, you know, so it's uh, it's going to be one to really, really look forward to. I think it's a good opportunity, especially for QPR for us, because we've had such a poor run over the years in the FA Cup. Mm. This is a great opportunity to yeah. get into the fifth round, and 
you get to the fifth round, you get a home game. Yeah, you might get a, an easiest tie. Then, then, like we said, all football matches are not easy. But you might you get a winnable game. You're then in the sixth round, and then it's just you know everyone's buzzing. Yeah. It's actually it'd be great to have a cup run. I think the last time I remember having a decent cup run was when we went down to Wimbledon in nineteen. I was I was in, I, I had done my knee that year, and it was nineteen eighty nine eighty nineteen forty two. No. Uh, <laughs> 1997, I think it was, in Wimbledon, and I went to that game, and I remember the crowd QPR brought down to Sellers Park. They had the whole end, at 13,000, and I remember Mark Hately scoring first and the crowd going ballistic. So that's the, the last time we had a decent cut run, and before that, Andy, did you ever do anything? Yeah, we, uh, we, had, we had a couple. Oh, do you remember the one Liverpool? Finals, Liverpool, yeah, we 2-2 two, two, two here and got beat 1-0 in the replay, you know. But, that was uh, a great game. There's a lot said about the FA Cup and the way clubs treated uh, now in the modern day, you know, but it's still a fantastic tournament, you know. And uh, if you can get into the latter rounds, it's, mm, it's be unbelievable. It'd be brilliant if QPR it? can uh, get... And Wembley moves a game closer as well exactly. than it did back in the day as then well. You, with then you're talking about history for the club, venue. aren't you? you? You know, you're not far away from, you know, we've been there a couple of times and just come unstuck and, you know, um, now it's one to look forward to. And uh, I think we we... I think we're, we're we're okay in the championship. There's no mm. no chance of us getting relegated. I think that a cut run would be brilliant yeah. for the fans and uh, for the club. And it, I mean, I, I don't expect you to reveal any family secrets, um, but in terms of oh, got any, <laughs> <laughs> this is I tell you what, Bielsa will be proud of this approach. Get the brother of the assistant manager over for a chat. Yeah, um, oh, but yeah. with them playing Luton on the Tuesday after they play us, obviously. Uh, Portsmouth for top of the league, Luton a second in the table. Yeah. I think there's a point between yeah. the two. They play, play Luton three days after they play QPR in the FA Cup. Naturally, the the league is going to be their priority. Do you expect Portsmouth to play a full strength yeah, team? Yeah, I do. You do? I do, yeah. They I expect QPR to play a full strength team. I really do. That's why it makes it such a good... I, I think um, Portsmouth, I don't think they have the squad to sort of rotate. I think the lower league teams don't have squads like the Premiership and and Championship to just rotate players. I think they have to play their strongest team. And I think the crowd and the big crowd that's going to go there on Saturday demand. I mean, if if even if, Q, I don't, if QPR play a weakened team and the 2,800 people won't be happy. Mm. And it, also, if you're a, a Portsmouth player as well, it's a full house at Fratton Park against a team from a division above. You want to prove... You've got course, course you'd you'd want to be involved yeah. in this game, yeah, wouldn't you? Of course you do. That's why you play the game. You know, whenever you play against the side from a higher division or a player who's seen to be better than you, Kev's playing against yeah. a top centre half that's either been at the top of his game or coming through, you know, he's got his own pride. Everyone should have their own pride to really pit your wits against who you're playing against and can you come out on top. So uh, I think it's a real intriguing one on uh, on Saturday and uh, I think certainly, certainly want to look I forward think, to. I think, like you said, the Portsmouth players will be thinking, well, they're the championship team, which they did at Norwich. We're just as they want to prove they're just as good. But also, there's a there's a bit of a media thing with the FA Cup still mm. that it's, it would not a matter. It wouldn't be a giant killing, but Portsmouth are a league below, mm. so you know they'll be in the papers to prove. So QPR will have to be on top of their game, and I hope QPR play the full team. And I do think if the QPR weather the storm, if we weather the storm, we, we can nick it. And it's I just buy a goal because it's going to be that tight, be that type of atmosphere. Nothing, very, very little given between the two teams. And this will be one where turn the centre backs for the first ten minutes, won't it? Well, I'd like, I'd like to think so. <laughs> a bit of blood and thunder. Yeah, this is a, t- a typical 
FA Cup tie with a big, big sellout crowd. Yeah. And it's a game both sets of players and supporters will, will think their team can win as well because there isn't that much between them. You know, all being well, Portsmouth will be in the championship next yeah. season. No, 100%. Portsmouth will look at the draw. You know, um, I've already said I think their main priority is promotion, and quite rightly so. Um, but they'll be going to win the game. I don't think they'll want a replay. I think they'll want it ended on the day. So I think they'll really come at us. Kev's already touched upon. I think the first 15, 20 minutes of any game, but certainly Saturday, is going to be key. Give nothing away, you know. Can you can you quell the crowd because it's going to be boisterous down there? And can you grow into the game? But we've been to places this year where we put on good performances. You know, hostile places, Leeds. I know we came unstuck, but we put on a good performance. Villa, we were mm. standing up there. Forest, where we won for the first time in history or whatever you know that was uh, that was so we weren't fear going there but as Kev quite rightly says we're going to have to be at our best it's another thing we were talking about game management just before everyone when you go away from home in a hostile crowd what does everyone say let's kill the crowd mm. let's quieten the crowd down let's just n give nothing away for 20-30 minutes keep possession and there's different ways to do that isn't it Kev from playing again you know what I mean you be tight you turn them you play maybe percentage football for a bit Obviously, the best way is quieting them to score, score a couple of goals. So, <laughs> you know, the obvious one, but that's that's the hard bit. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it uh, to see the result. Anyway, who who are the uh, Portsmouth players that QPR will need to look out for? Well, Jamal Lowe's suspended, so that's a bit of a blow for them. He's, he's their top scorer. He's their top scorer. He, he plays on the right. Oliver Hawkins is injured, who's a big centre forward. He's injured. He's going to be a miss. But uh, the left winger, Ronan Curtis, who's done really well. They signed him from Derry City in the summer, and he stepped up really well. He scored a lot of goals. He, uh, he made his debut, international debut this season for Ireland. So he's one to watch. The Ronan Curtis on the left, and and you know what? They've they've all got a good. Um, from what I've seen of Portsmouth, they're all good, honest pros. Not old, young young lads with uh, good ability, but. You know, real give hundred percent. Very similar, similar, a little bit to Preston, that type. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. Well, thanks for joining us on the Loftcast. We'll be back next week to reflect on that cup game and preview our trip to Wigan. <laughs>